0: Welcome to another episode of Panel Zone Podcast. I'm your host Dominique, and come chat with me while we talk about comics, graphic novels, and manga. Hi everyone. <laughs> I would like to announce that I'm very excited about this weekend. and the reason for that is because one of my friends invited me to do a Black Fay Park Day. Um, And if you don't know what that is, it's basically where everyone uh, participating is part of the BIPOC community. And if you don't know what that stands for, it's short for Black and Indigenous People of Color. Um, And we dress up as fey creatures, most commonly a fairy. Um, And we just hang out and have a fey picnic. Uh, But in this case, we're going to be doing tie-dye. So me and my friend Anna Maria are going to link up with my friend Micah and some of her friends, and we're just going to be chilling and eating and making tie-dye, and I'm really, really excited about this. So also in other news, (laughs) I have temporarily shelved book 19 of The Promised Neverland, not for any bad reason. It's just that I'm really involved with Uh, reading a couple other things right now, Um, but the good thing is that I own The Promised Neverland book 19, so I don't really have an urgency to finish it right this second. So, segment one is specifically dedicated to something that's been pissing me off lately, (laughs) So for just a little backstory, if you're new here, I work at a library and help patrons find books, help them with computers and create programs. And uh, something I noticed a while back, but uh, shit just reignited this fucking fire in me, (laughs) is that the library never finishes a series. (laughs) Well, I mean, at least my library. So At first I noticed it with a series that I wanted to finish reading because I never found the last book. So I tried to find it in this library and lo and behold, it wasn't here either. (laughs) This isn't um, a graphic novel. It's a fiction book series by Kate Locke called The Immortal Empire, uh, which is about vampires and it's a mystery. Um... She has a few different pen names, so you might actually know who she is, even if you've never heard of Kate Locke. Uh, she changes her name based on what genre she's publishing. Uh, you may know her as uh, Kate Cross, Katie Cross, Katherine Smith, Kate Kessler, or Kate McLaughlin. Um, but anyway, that's besides the point. So then I did this video series for my job called The History of Manga. And when I was going through what the Pine System had to offer... I noticed we had all these different copies of mangas, but not one entire series. And I'm like, (laughs) why do we have book 77 of One Piece, but literally no other volume? Like, why do we have four volumes of Hellsing, but nothing else? Why do we have volume nine of One Punch Man, but nothing else? It's fucking stupid. (laughs) Oh my God, it's stupid. If we're going to have one book, why not the whole series? Why does TS just order one random book? Who's going to come to the library and think, hey, you know what? I'm going to read book 77 of One Piece today. Nothing else. Just that. <laughs> come on. <laughs> oh, and something else relating to this pissed me off, too, Um So I was trying to read Goodnight Poon Poon by, I don't know how to say his name, but a Neo Asano. And I placed a hold on it because a different branch in our system apparently had it. So first of all, I waited like five weeks for the thing to come in, which is fine because I know how these systems are. But when the book finally came in, it was book six, book six of the series. Why would I want book six when I haven't read books one through five? (laughs) so anyway i checked it back in i sent it back to god knows where and reordered the book and i made fucking sure this time that i ordered book one of goodnight poon poon and i waited another six weeks and guess what showed up when i checked my box the same copy of the damn book (laughs) like why did they look at the book check it in you know And then uh, give me back the same book. Like, why did they check it in, see the whole, check it back out and send it to the same patron, or in this case, employee, and just think, yeah, she's going to want book six. Um, Like, anyway, I ended up turning it back in. And now I've come to the realization that I'm not going to read that book unless I buy it physically or buy it online through Viz Media or something. Um, Anyway, it, it was so upsetting because... I really wanted to read this book. So, that was a fairly short segment because I want to hop right into segment two. Because I think this is definitely going to catch somebody's interest. Um, So, now we're going to play a game. (laughs) Not really. But basically, what I want to know is, is it porn if it's a comic? This might get me demonetized, but it'll be fine. So... Here's my hot take on the matter. My answer is yes and no. (laughs) Hear me out, though. No, because when graphic novels and comics have sexually intimate scenes, um, it usually is depicted because of the story or has something, you know, to do with the storyline. So say, for example, Saga. Saga has all kinds of nudity and other shit all throughout the books, like literally almost every couple of pages there's either someone having sex or some nudity Um, but in my eyes as long as it's for plot development I wouldn't consider it pornographic. but on the other hand my answer is yes (laughs) and this is because there are comics that were literally made for that purpose I mean like you can't look at high school dxd and say that this manga isn't supposed to be itchy Like, you can't look at Love Hina and not realize that the whole purpose of this manga is to fulfill some sort of male sexual fantasy of living in a house with a bunch of girls who want to show you their tits. (laughs) You can't look at Plus Size Elf, literally the cover of it, and say, nope, this isn't about sex. (laughs) Now, me, um, by me pointing this out, I'm not saying that I look down on it or that it's gross and nasty. Um, I mean, it's literally just human nature. And in some people's opinions, we were literally put on this planet to procreate. So, of course, throughout the mainstream uh, media, you're going to see a lot of sexually appealing shit. Um, Because in the words of capitalism, sex sells. (laughs) And the reason they know this is because it's literally embedded in human nature. Um, Now, just be aware that when I say this... I'm not saying anything against anyone who identifies as asexual. Uh, If you don't know what an asexual person is, uh, it means it's someone who doesn't feel the need to have sex. Can they have sex? Yes. Can they enjoy sex? Yes. Um, But sex always must be initiated by them and no one should ever force them to do it. Um, And since I'm not asexual, I could be completely wrong about this. And if I am, please, please feel free to correct me. Um, Also, feel free to let me know if I've offended you and I will genuinely apologize. Uh, I did attempt to understand asexuality a little bit before writing my notes. And I just want to shout out that this really good article that I read uh, that was posted by E. Price on the HuffPost called I'm Sexual and Here's What Sex Feels Like for Me. Um, It was really informative. And I think everyone should read this if you're curious about researching what it means to be asexual. Um, I'm also going to say that not every single asexual person is the same, excuse me. So if you're listening and you're asexual and don't feel the same as this article, it's perfectly okay. Um, your experience doesn't have to be exactly the same as everyone else um or everyone else who's ide- who identifies as the same thing. Um, so back to the original point, uh, although sex is human nature i believe and this is an opinion so please don't take it so seriously i believe that uh we have evolved past the point of needing to fuck all the time and this is prevalent um, in asexuals and i feel like the earth and nature and evolution kind of knows that we have overpopulated uh this earth And the ways that we have sex as homosexual and asexual people show um, this change in evolution. So, do I think gay people are gay because of overpopulation? No, and please don't take it that way. <laughs> I'm positive that gay people have always existed, even like before extreme population growth. I just think that human mannerisms reflect animals in nature. Um, and homosexuality and having sex with the same sex and gender as yourself, uh, is very reflective of those habits. Uh, I also do think that humans have evolved, but if you, uh, if you want to call it the next evolution, um, but we have evolved past the need to fuck something that has a different part, um, as you. So gender fluidity and sex fluidity is something that is part of the future. And I think that we need to embrace that. (laughs) So, let's relate this back to comics and whether or not nudity and sex in a comic book is considered porn or not. So, yes, I would say that some comics like Edgy Manga are considered pornographic because of the intent behind creating these, and uh, the intent is that they're trying to uh, appeal to your libido. Um, but other comics like Saga, for example, or Plate Tectonics, which I'll talk about in the next segment in a few seconds, um, are not so pornographic and i would put them on the side of art <laughs> i hope what i said wasn't offensive to anyone and made sense because i feel like it may have come off as a little confusing um but well, we're gonna go ahead and go into segment three now and you already know i'll be discussing my recent reads okay so last week i was talking about how i started reading mega hex uh, by simon Hanselman, and uh, how much I hated the main characters, but then I started reading Megan Mogg in Amsterdam, by the way, I don't think I'll be reading these completely in order. Cause I won't have access to them in order because I have to buy certain ones and I'm broke and I don't have the money for that right now. Um, but I noticed that even though Megan Mog are complete assholes to owl, um, and I'm also including werewolf Jones in this asshole group. Cause my God, he's fucking worse than the others. um, <laughs> But anyway, I noticed that they stay like geeked up on all these pills and stuff, because if you look at this druggy cartoon on an intellectual level, um, you would see that Meg and Mog are suffering severely um, with depression and anxiety. Um, Like Meg is constantly drowning in sorrow and hates being self-aware. Uh, there's a part in the book where Meg and Mog, um accidentally leave their antidepressants at home while they were in Amsterdam and they try to go without it. Um, and in that in itself is a challenge. <laughs> but at the end of the book, uh, Meg states that she feels like she's going to kill herself if she doesn't get back on her meds and then she takes them. Um, and then the people and her surroundings end up turning into this like wiggly pattern Um, and then blackness surrounds her, which I assume is a metaphor for the numbing uh, sensation that certain antidepressants give you. Um, but overall I'm loving the series and I don't think that the characters are complete antagonists anymore, but, uh, just severely misunderstood and is letting their mental imbalances, uh, their imbalances shape their entire personality, um, Also, I just want to say that some of the behavior reflected in the series is something that doesn't align with my morals and values. Uh, There's a lot of things concerning bestiality, (laughs) you know, since half the characters are animals. Uh, There's some mention of rape, sexual assault, pedophilia, um, and things that I 100% do not support. So I don't suggest reading this if you aren't of mature age and cannot handle things in that nature. Uh, Some of the actions in this book are essentially disgusting. Um, However, I don't think that anyone is trying to cancel Simon Hanselman because of the fact that it works with the characters of the book and uh, the stuff said definitely reflects the personality of the character it's coming from. But yeah, that's all I gotta say about that. (laughs) Okay, moving on. So, also, I'm confused with the order of the series Sorry, um, uh, because on Amazon it says that there are only four books in the series, which starts with Mega Hex, then Megamog in Amsterdam, then One More Year, and then Bad Getaway. And this is all part of the Mega Hex series. However, at the end of Megahex, uh spoilers, uh like spoilers right now, but um, it ends with Owl moving out of the house. Um but then, at the beginning of *Megamog* in Amsterdam, Owl is back in the house. Like, they didn't explain what happened. Um, or is this just like not something that you particularly need to read in order? I, I don't. I don't believe that's the case because a lot of things explained would make no sense. I'm not sure. Uh, either way, I'm complete. I completely enjoy the series. Uh, well, as much as I can enjoy it with two main characters with morally wrong ambitions, but that's beside the point. Um, anyway, Simon, uh, Simon Hanselman is a comedic genius and I have literally laughed out loud while reading a lot of the stories in the series. Um, so this week I'm actually going to be starting one more year and then next week I'll show you what I thought about it. Um, <laughs> okay, so I started reading Plate Tectonics and not gonna lie, uh, I don't like it as much as I thought that I was going to. Um, it's kind of cringy uh hear me out so it's very 2010 humor where like adulting became a thing like people who turned into adults in 2010 who were desperately trying to hold on to their inner child which is fine you know every generation has something that they do that no other generation does but i would definitely say that you could tell that this was written by an older millennial Uh, The overuse of 90s Disney. The cringe humor is just, I don't know, very, I drink wine and take BuzzFeed quizzes. (laughs) Or I obsess over Harry Potter and make embarrassingly bad Disney puns. (laughs) Like, for instance, there's a part in the book where she says, I'm rubber and you're glue. Everything you say bounces off me and sticks to you times 12,000. Like, (laughs) what grown ass adult says that? (laughs) But I, I also don't I also think that the the point of her saying that was to show that she has a childless childishness about her. Uh, so it makes sense. However, I still find it weird and cringy when a thirty-two year old divorced woman with a child says something like that and no, not to her child, but directly to another grown ass adult. <laughs> it's just like okay. Um, I, I know I can't really talk because I in fact am a millennial but I think that my sense of humor and interest lean more towards Gen Z because I was born in 94 and Gen Z starts at 96, I think. So I'm only like two years off. So my sense of humor is a little different than older millennials, but I'm sure in 10 years, the kids will be saying the same things to us. Like, look how cringy you are. And I'm not going to (laughs) understand. So I feel like I'm kind of talking from a point of youth. Uh, I think that this is more relatable to older millennials and moms and divorcees. But uh, since I'm not any of those things currently, a lot of stuff didn't really hit me as relatable. Um, Something I just thought about, though, is that the author of this book, I think, is French. So there could be a slight disconnect of culture considering Americans and the French don't have the exact same way of living. Um, So maybe that's what the problem is but no, I wouldn't necessarily say that because I read books from the eighties and nineties from all over the world. And for the most part, I always found these stories relatable. It's just this particular one that wasn't, um, and also the author was 32 and I believe like 2011. So I don't even think the the author is a millennial. I'm not, I'm not sure. Is that a, is is that a millennial? Not sure. Also, anyway, I said this last week with another graphic novel, Alt Life, uh, that I was reading. But the script in this book, uh, (laughs) it's all in cursive, too. (laughs) And like I said last week, this really hurts my eyes. And I really, really, really wish people didn't print entire books in cursive. Because for those of us who either have vision problems or just plain trouble reading cursive because of the meshing of letters... And the fact that it's not taught in schools anymore, this is a bad move to make. Okay. So, Emily the Strange is a lot darker than I remember. And this week I read Emily the Strange Volume 1, the graphic novel. Or graphic book, I don't know. So I remember being obsessed with Emily the Strange in middle school. um, Her and Ruby Gloom. Uh, Most goth girls were obsessed with both of them back in the day. Uh, But I thought uh, Emily the Strange was for all audiences. I didn't know that she had uh, graphic novels and comics until recently. (sighs) I mean, it it could have been where she originated from. But all I remember was that any item of clothing, any book, any art that had Emily the Strange on it was something that I wanted. (laughs) Now, I know for a fact that Ruby Gloom was a children's thing, though. Because I remember watching the show on, I believe it was on Discovery Kids. And I watched a lot of Discovery Kids growing up. And it's funny because I was goth as hell. Well, as goth as I I could get as a child with strict parents. <laughs> but um, yet I watched shows like The Saddle Club, H2O, Alien Surf Girls, Darcy's Wildlife, Scout Safari, Endurance, Serious Adventure Camp. Like this is the type of shows that you would assume those horse girls would read. <laughs> Maybe I was a horse girl on the inside and a goth girl on the outside. I don't know, but (laughs) maybe I was just fucking weird. (laughs) Probably. Anyway, (laughs) I got a little off topic. Let's continue back where I left off on Ruby Gloom and Emily the Strange. But yeah, I'm glad that I saw it on my suggested books feed because I would have never known. But yeah, while reading it, I noticed that Emily has a lot of moments of like complete insanity Like, uh, for example, there was a scene where she poisons the whole school cafeteria and turns them into a gruesome creature. Um, And then there's another scene where she's reminiscing about when she cut off a live chicken's head and preserved it in a jar. So it's a little, you know, apparent to me that, no, this definitely is not a children's book. This is for uh, older folks, for fucking sure. (laughs) There's one thing that had me dying, and I laughed so hard at this. So there's a part where Emily is listening to a grave uh, through some sort of sound magnifying device. And when the friend is listening, like she has a friend who comes up and listens, he hears nothing. So then he says, "Um, that's either John Cage's 433 or your battery is dead. And when I tell you this excited me so much, you don't even know. Like for those of you who aren't familiar with it, John Cage's 433 is a musical piece where every single instrument on stage doesn't play a single note for the entire song. And the reason why it's called this is because the song is four minutes and 33 seconds long. (laughs) So imagine sitting in the audience and thinking that they're going to play a piece and you're just sitting there waiting for four minutes and 33 seconds, which seems like a long time when nothing's happening. But yeah, I love the reference and music nerds would definitely get this. Um, I first heard of John Cage's song when I was in school in marching band, uh, when one of my friends sent me a YouTube link to the song. And I remember going to school the next day and asking him, is this a fucking joke? (laughs) Like, I thought the song was so pointless. But the whole point of the song is it's supposed to be showing you that the world is full of music. Um, If you ever watched that movie from, I think, 2007 called August Rush, he pretty much is using that logic of thinking, which is awesome because I'm not going to lie. That movie made me cry. (laughs) But anyway, I've gotten really, really off topic. I need to go back to discussing Emily the Strange. (laughs) Well, actually, I was pretty much done. Um, All I have to say is that this is a lot more grim than I remember, but I definitely enjoy the quirky goth humor. Uh, it's a great quick read, and I'll be looking forward to the next volume. And that's it for today. Uh, follow me on my anime list at Green Moth, spelled G-R-3-3-N-M-O-T-H. G-R-3-3-N-M-O-T-H. Follow me on Goodreads to see what I'm currently reading, and keep listening online wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to another episode of Panel Zone Podcast. Much love.